you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at the first four verses, verses 1 to 4. So friends, listen. This is Jesus talking. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. This is God's Word. We are beginning a new series today. The series is called How to Know God is Real. How to Know God is Real. And in this next section of chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that there are things that you can do that will let you know that God is real. And as we look at these next, this next set of verses, I want you to know what's at stake. Like, what's at stake with this series? Why are we doing this? Why am I talking about this? Because you need to know that you can know that God is, is real. You can know and have that truth be reaffirmed for you. I know what it's like to believe and to doubt, and then to believe and to doubt. And Jesus is going to show us how we can have the reality of God's presence reaffirmed in our lives. This series is going to help you, whether you're a Christian or not, um, it's going to help you know the difference specifically between religion and having a relationship with God. It's going to make that really clear. And this series will set you free from the slavery of caring what other people think. That's what's at stake. That's what we're going to see. That's what Jesus is going to lead us in. And so Jesus says in this next section in chapter 6, there's really three ways to know, to know that God is real. You can know God is real in giving, in praying, and in fasting. And we're going to look at the first of these three things today, that you can know God by giving to the needy. Okay? And Jesus addresses two ways to give in these verses this morning, and one of them enables you to meet God and to know that he's real. Okay, And so it's interesting because as Jesus starts, um, giving is sort of assumed. Jesus just assumes that people will be giving. He says, um, he says an interesting word, verse 2, he says, Thus, when you give to the needy. Right? It's not if, but it's when. He just, he assumes that you're going to be giving to the needy. He says it in verse 2. It also says in verse 3, but when you give to the needy. And the idea that Jesus is communicating, he says, part of experiencing God's blessings in your life, part of knowing whether or not God is real, is having a life that is generous. It's having a life that that is generous. You know, the whole Bible, if you take a big step back and look at the whole Bible, the Bible says that our money is given to us and it is to be used by us to celebrate life, to enjoy life, uh, to provide for our needs. And then we're called to give our money to support the church 
and to help people who are in need. Okay, this is what money is for. And we've reflected this as we've thought through the ministry theme for this year. Right? Our ministry theme this year has been blessed to be a blessing. And that fits really nicely. You know, the idea here is that God blesses us, and so we bless others. And so this is what Jesus is talking about, that you want to cultivate a life that practices giving what you have to those who are in need. So blessing others means that we are generous. And not only with our money, right? It includes our money, but it goes beyond that because we have even more than money that we can be generous with. We can be generous with our time. We can be generous with the the talents and the gifts that we have. We can share those things with people who need them. And so Jesus is pointing us toward living a generous life. But there's this warning. There's this warning. This section is actually a series of warnings. In verse 1, we see that, right? He says, beware. Right? Watch out. Hold on. Hey, caution. Caution. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And it's interesting because warnings, they make us afraid. But Jesus' warnings, it's interesting, Jesus' warnings, when he warns us, he doesn't just want us to stop and to take account. But Jesus actually, through his warnings, he wants to invite us into experiencing God. Jesus' warning is an invitation to experience God and to experience life to the fullest. Life to the fullest. It's interesting because in our last series, in chapter 5, Jesus was warning us that there are some bad things that we do that get in the way of our life with God. And now in chapter 6, Jesus also warns us that there are also some good things that we do that can get in the way of our life with God. And so the difference... The, you know, this is really the difference between religion and a relationship with God. You know, even good things can become bad when they're done for the wrong reasons. You know, and the reason Jesus points out here is that there's an intention to deceive. He's got these two ways to give. Both ways seek rewards. Both ways seek approval. And Jesus warns against one but recommends the other. And so Jesus says, he starts out by, by telling you how not to give talks about the way that he doesn't want you to follow. And he says, don't give to be rewarded by other people. Okay, this is verse 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. The idea here is that Jesus is saying that when you give, you know, don't call attention to yourself. Right? You can imagine what it would look like if we have these offering boxes. Right? If you were to walk up with a, with a horn and grab the microphone, hey everybody, I'm giving. Hey, hey, do you, see the, do, you, do you see that I'm giving here? And I'm not just giving the cash out of my pocket. I, I have a check. I got a check here and it's, it's so big it doesn't fit. I got to fold it up so that I can put it in everybody. Do you see what I'm doing here? Right? This is what Jesus is saying don't do. And he's using exaggerated language. Okay, there, there really, there are no documented cases that scholars, nobody's been able to find examples of people that actually did this. And so Jesus is using exaggerated language, just like he says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, right? Jesus is not against using exaggeration and hyperbole to make his point. 
But he does say, so he's saying, don't call attention to yourself. In the synagogues, when people are gathered together for corporate worship, or in the streets, when they're in public, Jesus says, don't give in a way that draws attention to yourself. Okay? Because he's saying, don't give so that, with the purpose of you being praised by others. Because Jesus says, those people who do that, they're hypocrites. They're hypocrites. Well, why? Well, it's because when you do that, when you give and call attention to yourself, when you give because you are looking for something in return, you, you're acting like you're giving to the needy. Right? You're acting like you are so moved by the needs of others, so moved by the vision of the church, so moved by whatever it is, and this is why you're giving. But what's really going on You act like your giving is for the needy, but it's really for you. You're you're not actually giving for the needy. You're giving for you because you want the praise of others. You want them to affirm you, and that's why you're giving. You're acting like your giving is for God. Lord, I love you so much. Everybody see how much I love God, right? I'm putting my gift in. But really, again, you're giving for you. It's because you want other people to know how spiritual you are. And this kind of giving, it's, it's self-promotion. Right? That's what it's about. Uh, you're giving so that your status in other people's eyes would go up. You're giving so that because your validation is what's most important to you. And that's actually the opposite of generosity. Right? Self-promotion is the opposite of generosity because generosity is when you are legitimately putting other people's needs ahead of yours. You're saying, I have this, and I could use this. I could have fun with this. I could do whatever, but I'm going to give this, but I'm going to put your needs ahead of mine. That's what generosity is. But self-promotion says, no, no, my needs are most important. My validation, my status, the approval of others. And so when you do this, you're a hypocrite. Because who you are on the outside is different. Who you're presenting yourself to be is different from who you are on the inside. It's interesting because the Greek word for hypocrite is the word hypocritai. It's actually where we get the word hypocrite. We just took the Greek word and Englishized it. And uh, what's interesting is that when the Greeks used this term, initially it didn't have a negative connotation to it. Initially, the the Greek word hypocrite just meant an actor. Yeah, it was just an actor. And so, if you performed in the theater, you were a hypocrite. (laughs) Not because there was anything wrong with that, but because if uh, if you were a hypocrite, if you were an actor, so again, not a negative sense, but if you were an actor... Sometimes in the ancient world, you were known as the holder of the mask. Because that's what you would do. When you'd get on stage, you'd put on a mask, and that would be your character's mask, and you would act out someone different from who you are. And so who you were on the outside was different from who you were on the inside. It's interesting because uh, scholars have said that there was actually a theater not too far from where Jesus grew up. 
about 45-minute walk, and some scholars even think that Joseph and Jesus may have made that trek, may have walked that 45 minutes to help build the theater. And so it's interesting that Jesus would use this here. Um, The actors, the, the holders of the mask, they performed, they did theater for the praise of others, right? To receive the accolades of others. And Jesus is saying, look, in your lives, don't be like them. Don't be like them. Don't be a theater for others. Don't give looking for their praise. Now, why? I mean, what's so bad about that? I mean, I guess, what if you're just honest? <laughs> that, okay, I'm going to give because I want you to know I'm giving because I really like being, I like being approved. I like being validated by people. Right? What's so bad about that? Well, Jesus says the problem with that is that if you do that, you're going to miss out on God's rewards. The end of verse 2, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And Jesus is saying here that they will not receive a reward from God. Okay? And this isn't so much a punishment, like as though God is vindictive, but it's just a declaration of the way life is. Okay, what do I mean? Well, Jesus is saying, look, if you give because you want to be seen by others, then you give, and when you're seen by others, mission accomplished. Right? It's it's pretty simple. That if you give in order to be seen and praised by others, and you are seen and praised by others, there you go. You've got your reward. That's what you were after. It's what you're looking for. And it's what you've got. The idea here is that God is saying to us, look, it's your call. I know your motives. I can see what you do. I also know exactly what you're thinking and how you feel. And if you don't want me to be a part of this, I'm not going to force myself on you. I'm going to respect your wishes and you will get the reward that you're after. And so Jesus puts it forth for us as a choice. You can do this to receive the praise of others, in which case you're going to exclude God from your giving. Plus, next, the other problem with this is that if you give for the praise of others, you will begin to live for the praise of others. And and that is enslaving and addicting. That is enslaving and addicting. It becomes like a drug, actually, where the approval of others is what you end up living for. It's the high that you get. And just like with drugs, the more you do it, the less and less satisfaction you get. The more approval you need, the more often you need it, the less positive impact it has when you get it. And so you end up hungering and thirsting for the approval of others. You need to feel more and more validated. What ends up happening is your sense of self-worth, your sense of whether or not you measure up, becomes determined by whether or not the people around you in your life are giving you the validation in the frequency that you need, in the, the, in the, in the significance that you need. And so if you live your life and you need approval, what ends up happening is that you are not free. 
you're enslaved. And in fact, it turns everything you do into something where you're only doing it now because you've got to get something back. Like, I'm going to serve you because I need to feel that validation from you. I need to hear that thank you. You know, and if I don't get that, I'm really upset and I'm angry. And this is what happens. We become enslaved. And sometimes the people around you begin to feel it. Like they get this sense that you're doing this because you need me to respond in a particular way. And if I don't respond like this, then you're not happy. Um, And when they begin to feel that and see it and sense it in your relationship, like that creates, creates significant walls creates problems. And so God, God wants to help you. God wants to speak in. Jesus is here because he wants you to be free from that. He wants you to see that the approval of others cannot satisfy you in the ultimate sense. Like people cannot give you enough validation. They can't affirm you enough to make you able to live your life. There's a void in us that needs to be validated, that no person can fill. And Jesus wants us to understand that because only God can fill that void. It's only God's validation. And unless God meets us in that place, unless you feel validated by God, then your life will be enslaved to that search to get validated from others. Um, years ago, I went to play tennis with a friend of mine. And uh, when we got to the court, um, I tossed my bag over to the side and, uh, and we began to play. And in my bag, I had a really old thermos. You know, one of those thermoses that had the cups that screw on the top and you unscrew them. And not only is it like kind of a lid, but it's also, hey, you can drink. Um, and so it, it had this, it had my thermos in it and my thermos was filled with ice cold, super refreshing, you know, ice-filled water. And so we played this grueling set, um, and as we were playing, I got hotter and hotter and thirstier and thirstier and thirstier, and I'm eyeballing my bag, going, I need to get a break, I need a break. Finally, the set ended, and I went over to my bag to to get a drink, and, and I picked up the thermos, and I could hear the clinking, you know, the ice that was jostling around inside, you know, and, um, and so I unscrewed the top and I poured the water in the cup. And as I raised the cup to my face to take a drink, I was horrified. Because in this cup, floating in the water, were like hundreds of small glass shards. My cup was filled with water that was like with razor sharp glass that had been broken, and I'm like, what the heck happened? And then I realized, oh man, when I got here and I tossed my bag over to the side, the internal, because they didn't used to use styrofoam, they used to use like this, I don't know, glass something or other thing that was, you know, Mel could tell you about, he's an engineer. Um, And so when I threw it, the thermos hit the ground and it just shattered on the inside. And so man, it looked so good. It felt so good in my hand. But if I had taken a drink of that water, it would have ravaged my insides. 
Friends, that's what happens to us when we become addicted to the praise of others. When we give so that we'd be seen by others, when we live for their validation, it tears us up inside because it cannot heal and we become more and more desperate and addicted. And so Jesus' answer, right, as we think about this and go, yeah, okay, I can identify with this. Like, what's the answer? Jesus' answer, it's pretty simple, but then it explodes with profundity. I mean, Jesus says in verse 3, he says, When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Verse 4, so that your giving may be in secret. So Jesus says, the answer to this is give in secret. Give in secret. When no one else is looking, when no one else is there, when no one else knows, Jesus says, give in that place. Why? Well, because who you are in secret is who you really are. Who you are when you're alone is who you really are. When there's no one else around, that's when your motivation comes not for the sake of others, but just comes from who you are. And so it's interesting. Jesus says, again, using exaggerated language, this left-hand, right-hand thing, it's, it's not possible. Unless you've got, like, think Wernicke's aphasia, where the center part of your brain is cut and there's a nerve that goes in between the two sides, in which case sometimes you can have, but no, no, it's not. What he's, Jesus is just exaggerating here, okay? You can't actually give with one hand without the other hand knowing what you're doing. But Jesus, the point is, Jesus is saying, look, give before an audience, but let that audience be an audience of one. Give in secret with an eye, not to anyone else, but God. Give before God. Um, and, And what he's doing there, what Jesus means when you think about who Jesus is and the message of salvation What Jesus is saying here is he's saying, go into the secret place and then inject the gospel into your life. Okay? Um, Jesus says, go into the secret place and practice the gospel. Okay, you can do that. Did you know that you can practice the gospel? You can actually put the gospel in practice by things that you do. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Because giving, actually, generosity is a practice of the message of salvation. Okay, think about it. When you give in secret, you end up with less than you started with. Right? You have X amount of dollars, you give, and you have less. Right? You diminish. And that works with your time. When you give your time in secret, like not to be not to be approved by other people, but you give um, because you want to give. You end up with less. You end up with less time. You end up with less, um, less energy. You end up with less money when you give. And it's so it's kind of like part of your time, part of your talent, part of your treasure dies. Right? It goes away. When you give, you humble yourself. You're putting someone else's desires above yours, so you are dying to yourself. That's what that means. You're dying. You're putting your needs down below someone else's needs. 
So you, it's like you're dying to yourself. You're dying to your needs, to your wants. And Jesus says, when you do that, God will raise you up. When you die, God will raise you up. And so this is how you pump the gospel into your life. Practically, when you are in secret and you choose to give, you are bringing God's power into your life. You are acting out the gospel. And God responds by giving you more and more and more. And so I would challenge you. Give in secret and see if you don't end up feeling richer. Just try it. See what happens. See if you don't end up feeling richer. There's kind of a process that I think Jesus is putting us on. He's giving us a trajectory. Um, What Jesus is saying to us, for some of you, might feel new. You might have never thought about this before. So it feels new, and that's okay. It's kind of like riding a bike. We'll talk about this in this whole series. What starts out new um, becomes normal. And then the more you do it, soon it becomes natural. But this is the progression that Jesus is giving us. Or, you know, take it this way, more biblical concepts. You have the word that you're hearing becomes flesh in your life. And then it results in you becoming part of God's new creation. The word becomes flesh. And then you become new. Um, Another way to think about it, this is the most practical way to think about it. You get this information. You put it into practice. And you will experience transformation. This is what Jesus is saying. Take my teachings and put them into practice and you will experience this. You will experience this. It's the secret place where your faith grows. It's the secret place where your heart gets larger. It's the secret place where you become a different person because that's the place where you are really you and the only person who's there with you is God. And when you spend time with God in that way, you come together with him. You let him change you. You let him change you. And Jesus goes on and he says, when you do this, God will reward you. The end of verse 4. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So you've got a promise here from Jesus that if you do this, God will reward you. It's kind of cool that Jesus talks about rewards. There's nothing wrong with being motivated by rewards. Jesus is using rewards to motivate us. Um, What are these rewards? Well, I think fundamentally, God rewards you with his presence. God rewards you with his presence. This is why you feel good when you're generous. Right? You ever wonder about that? When you do give, this is why you feel good. It's because God actually draws near to you. This is God's blessing. You're following in his footsteps. You're acting like him, and God meets you there. 
It's as simple as that. And this is interesting because I know that some of you struggle to believe whether there is a God. I know that. I know some of you... um, Some of you don't believe. Some of you want to believe. Some of you struggle where your faith is sometimes strong, other times it's weak. Jesus is saying here that this is one way to know that God is real. When you in the secret place give, God will show up. You actually get to share in God's life. And it's important that Jesus does this. This isn't a manipulation tactic on Jesus' part. It's not Jesus going, well, all right, if you're struggling, I know. I'll try to manipulate money out of you. So then whether or not, I mean, that's not what Jesus is doing here. Jesus knows, um, and he is speaking to the reality that you can't think your way to God on a purely intellectual level. Because God is so much more than just a thought or an argument. Jesus knows And what God would say, God would say, if you want to find me, then one of the best ways to find me in your life is to go where I am. And where am I? I'm with the needy. I am actively meeting needs 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so you can find me if you will meet the needs of those who lack. Right? And now we're talking about something comprehensive with your life. It's not just your money. Right? It's your time. It's your energy. It's your heart for people. Find people in your workplace. Find people in your neighborhood. Find people in your family. Find their needs and share with them. God says, if you're willing to go in and do that, you'll meet me because I'm already there. That's where I am. And part of finding me is going where I am. Part of finding me is not just trying to think your way into my existence, but actually stepping into where I am. It's stepping into my presence. When you do that, God becomes real. Part of the reward of God's presence is that um, is not only that that you get this good feeling, but this that part of God's reward is that God sets you free from the need for the validation of others. God gives you; He sets you free so that you no longer have to have the validation of others in order to live, in order to give. You don't need the validation. And why? Well, because you've got God's validation. Because God meets you and he says, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. You are my daughter in whom I am well pleased. It's amazing because the whole Sermon on the Mount, right? We're now a full chapter in. You know, we're 49 verses in. The way the Sermon on the Mount begins is it begins with this validation where God comes to you and says, in your place of emptiness, in your place of weakness, in the area where you don't feel validated, in the places where you don't feel like you measure up, God comes and says, I love you. 
He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are you if you think you are nothing. Because at that place, I will validate you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn because they don't measure up. Blessed are those who are humbled because they don't measure up. God says, if you are there, I am there with you, and I am on your side. Friends, when you can receive that, you don't care if anybody else validates you, because the one who really matters has already validated you. These are some of the rewards. I mean, and then beyond that, so those are just the rewards that you get. Those are the rewards that you get. You get God's presence. You get God's validation. You get freedom from that enslaving need to be validated by others. But then, when you give more rewards, you're a blessing to others. You're a blessing to others because your giving actually changes someone's situation. Your giving like to the church, enables the church to do its ministry. Right? You're giving to the needy, enable, it changes their lives. You meet real needs. You give people hope that not only does somebody care, but when you do it in Jesus' name, you give people hope that God cares. And God cares so specifically, not just generally that they would spiritually do well, but God cares about their physical needs. Right? And so God will use you to give people hope. God will use you to show people that God cares. God will give you the opportunity to participate in a community that transforms both the giver and the receiver. And this this wakes you up. This wakes you up and it speaks and it tells you, you know what, there's something that is so much more to this life. There is life to be found in giving away. There is life to be found in putting other people's needs ahead of yours. There is life there to be found, and that is the resurrection. When you feel that, when God meets you in that place, you experience the resurrection of Jesus. And just like Jim said, it's not just true, or or Gerard said, I'm sorry, earlier, it's not just true 2,000 years ago. It's not just true last week, but it's true today. So, before you think about lunch today, okay, before you think about lunch, who can you be generous to before you leave? Before you leave, before you walk out of those doors or this one, who can you be generous to? Who can you put this into practice with, right? I've given you this information. Who can you put this into practice with? The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's taste this, right? Let's test this out. Who can you be generous with before you leave? It could be as simple as asking somebody how they're doing. Who can you be generous with before you go to sleep tonight? Think of somebody. You want to put this into practice. 
Jesus says that when you do this, God will meet you there. You can do something before you leave, before you sleep, that will give you an opportunity to experience God. Who's it going to be today for you? Who can you be generous with before you come back to church next week? Write down a name. If you need help this week, trying to be generous, you got those connection cards, communication cards in your bulletin, you can just put down a name and we'll pray for you. We'll pray that God, I don't have my card, we'll pray that God will help you to be generous this week. Because imagine coming back next week richer than you are right now. Imagine coming back next week with a sense that, yeah, God showed up for me this week. And I experienced his validation in a new way this week. Imagine God being the most important person in your life and living in the freedom of his validation so that you don't need anyone else to validate you. Imagine the freedom that you could live in that would help you give yourself away to others and become richer and richer and richer. Let's pray. Jesus, I just, I thank you that you've got this way of turning our world upside down. That through giving ourselves away, we could become rich. That by caring only about your validation, we'd be set free from the need to be approved by others. Jesus, you... Jesus, you are... You are awesome. You are our Savior. You save us and set us free, and we give you glory and thanks. Jesus, put on our hearts, put on our hearts people that we could be generous with this morning, today, and this week. Speak to us, and then fill us with your generosity that we can put this into practice and we can be transformed.